Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Listen to this song by Lee and the Blowfish. Today we're talking about fish, particularly lots and salmon. Salmon, when it's smoked, becomes lots. When you smoke a blow, a blowfish, it probably becomes some other delicious fish you can have at Wexler's Deli. There's a line in this song where he says, love her the most. Because that's the key. Darius Rucker. What a voice. Let her cry. Tremendous. It's all about fish today. Connect the dots on this one. Tim Salmon, Wexler's Deli, and Locks, and me being a surgeon, using a knife. It all kind of makes sense. To me, at least. All right, let's take some calls. Clinic's open. The number's 877-710-ESPN. Let's go to Pedro. Pedro, you're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Good morning, Dr. Clapper. Good morning, young man. Tell me first, how old are you and what do you do for a living? I'm 35. I'm a Amazon delivery guy. God bless you for working and delivering all the packages for everybody. Let me ask you a question about your family. What did your dad do for a living? Where did you grow up? What high school? I went to Westchester High School and Losinger High. Wow. Two different high schools. And your dad, what did he do for a living? He's been a, he, he's a driver for a bus company in the airport. So you grew up driving. You love, you watched him drive. Is he mechanical? Could he fix the truck? Could he fix the car? No, he's not that type. I am, but he's not. You're that type, though. You could fix things. If you ever came to my office, Pedro, you'd see the biggest collection of pistons in my office. And when one, I have six exam rooms. In one of the rooms, I've got like ten pistons from a locomotive, from a Sherman tank, from an MTA bus, from motorcycles, from boats. And you get in the room, and if you're a mechanic, you go, what the hell is going on here? Why do you got all these pistons? Because I don't care what you do for a living. To me, it's the most fascinating how the engine works. And you're comfortable with that, and I love it. How can I help you? What you do to yourself? Uh, a few years ago, I, torn, I completely tore my ACL and my meniscus. Okay. Um, I didn't have the proper insurance to go ahead and get repaired, so I had to wait. Finally, when I did, I did my appointment, but I had another incident with my same knee. I was at Knott's Prairie Farm with my kids, shooting. My son wanted me to shoot. Uh, he wanted a little Kobe Bryant teddy bear. So uh, Love him. Love him. Love love your son for loving Kobe. And um, so, you know, I, I, I went to go try it. I was doing really great on the first rack. I not ran, but I took a couple steps towards the next rack, and my knee locked up, but it was a pain that yep. I never, ever really had before. Couldn't stretch it out, couldn't do anything. So I ended up just shooting the rest of the balls and getting off the court. Uh, they told me that I had a piece of meniscus stuck in between my knee. Mm-hmm. So I got, um, they told me that, you know, it's going to be painful for a couple of days, whatever. Uh, but now I'm getting my surgery done on May 7th. And I, the question basically was, um, they were talking about, uh, uh, donated, uh, cadaver. What is the difference between a donated cadaver and your own proper cadaver? All right, so I don't know who's taking care of you, and it's none of my business right now, but I will tell you this. You need to get a second opinion before you have any kind of surgery. And May 7th is still, you know, a lot of the hospitals maybe will start opening, but you, you, yeah, 
This is a tough one for me because I'm not so sure um, it's right yet with the coronavirus and all the rest of it. Um, so you definitely want to get more than one opinion, Pedro. Do me a favor. As far as answering your specific question, let me just tell you, the data, it's not even my opinion, the data does show that there is a higher failure rate between using your own body part, your own patella tendon, versus using a cadaver. Is it wrong to use a cadaver? No. Sometimes you don't have a choice. Sometimes it is absolutely the patient's preference. I don't want you to harvest my patella tendon. But this is something where you look up the data in terms of what's more successful. And it's not anyone's opinion. The data there speaks for itself. Because in my opinion, if you're going to do it, you only want to do this once. Carson Palmer. Remember the football player Carson Palmer? Yes. He had his ACL done, and they used a cadaver, an Achilles tendon from a, you know, person was in a car, motorcycle accident, died. They took the heart. They take the kidneys. Everybody, you know, is using different parts. It's a beautiful thing to donate organs and whatnot. So from that same young kid who dies in a motorcycle accident, we get to use all kinds of body parts. Like I say, for heart surgery, for kidney surgery, for pancreas, we can use the, well, guess what? We could harvest that person's Achilles tendon or patella tendon cadaver and use it to fix someone like you's Achilles uh, uh, ACL. And many surgeons do, and I have even used it when I had no choice. But if you would ask me my opinion, my opinion is I would want to use your own patella tendon because Carson Palmer, seven years after he had his surgery, no one tackled him. He's just backing up from the center, giving the ball. He backs up. You can look this up on YouTube. He collapses because he tore his graft. So do your homework. You know, this is not anything against the person who's taking care of you, but you got questions. You need to go into surgery with all of the answers given that make sense to you. I don't want you. My dad was a carpenter, Pedro. Okay. I learned a lot about being a doctor and being a surgeon, about being a man from him. And he was always amazed because I invented a lot of tools and a lot of things we use in surgery. And he would look at me and go, how did you, how did you come up with all this? I said, remember when you got the Milwaukee Sawzall? He looks at me and goes, what the hell does that have to do with doing knee surgery? I go, because you taught me that. And I would go over and over the similarities. Let me tell you something. What you do for a living, Pedro, you're smart. You're intelligent. You're a problem solver that you go through each and every moment of your life during the day. I don't want you to go to a doctor's office, any doctor's office, and go, well, whatever, he must be the doctor, he must know. No, it needs to make sense to you. That's why I love using Clapper Vision, because I need you to understand what your meniscus is, what part of it tore, to try to explain all of this in ways that you can understand. And your question is legit, and no one's allowed to say, you're going to get this because of whatever. It needs to make sense to you. So before you go and have that surgery, you get yourself a second opinion. You know, right now we're not really even seeing patients. I'm doing, I did so like 60 patients this week through virtual visits. So you still get to see the doctor. You still get to talk to the patient and I actually really enjoy it. It's nothing like seeing yeah. people in person, but Pedro, and you're more than welcome to call my office if you want. You can still have your surgery with whoever you're going to. But I need you to be a lot more educated right now than you are. This is bad for you to have these kinds of questions before you have the surgery. So it's my pleasure to help, and I appreciate you listening to the show. You've listened before. You know what Clapper Vision is, right? 
I've been listening to you for almost five years, six years, actually. Okay. See, so you're practically a doctor now, Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> I have recommended so many people for uh, listening to you and stuff like that. I actually ran into a couple of your nurses that work. I used to do Uber and Lyft for part-time, and I used to run up, a, up to a couple of your nurses and stuff like that. Well, then you make, it, you make it your business to have me at least be able to take care of you. So you call my office, you tell them I spoke to you on the radio, and they'll make time for you, okay? Okay, perfect. Thank you, Dr. God, God bless you, Pedro. All right, Warriors, coming up next, I'm going to tell some stories, some stories about salmon, locks, surgery. 815, my guest is Michael Wexler from Wexler's Deli. Wait till you hear these stories of Tim Salmon, the greatest angel player since before Mike Trout. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Miss an interview or Doc's weekly story? Check it out on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Also, Doc's advice to callers on their aches and pains. Just type Weekend Warrior in the Facebook search bar, and you'll see Doc's picture in the listings. And thanks for checking out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar sinai What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I'm still quelling. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. With a little love and some Walk upon the water. Well, there's someone in life who can walk on the water and look through the water and see all the fish that are swimming underneath it. And that's my guest right now. I'm so excited to talk to him, the great Michael Wexler and his partner, Michael Kassar. Thanks so much for joining me this early in the morning. I appreciate it. Oh, we're so happy to be here, doctor. Thanks for having us. Um, first of all, I want to thank Elijah at your place for making sure he called me in my office. You need to have some locks. You need to, before you interview Micah and Michael, you need to have this. And my wife and I ate it last night. And let me tell you something. It's not just because you're on with us right now. It is the best locks I have ever had on that whitefish. I don't know how you smoke it, but you know what, Michael Wexler? Having Kobe Bryant do the promo for this show and being in, in love with this show his hard work, his his passion, his confidence. I don't care what you do for a living. You got to do that, especially in your line of work. I want to thank Ben Lyons, by the way, ahead of time for putting us together. Take us back to the beginning, yeah. Michael Wexler. You and your partner, Michael. Where did it come from? What did your dad do for a living? Where did you grow up? How did the food business, like Cupid, shot you in the chest with an arrow and it made you fall in love with us? Take us through it. I, I, lo- I love the way you describe it. It feels uh, feels so romantic. <laughs> uh, you know, you know I, I grew up um, here in Los Angeles, uh, born and raised in the Valley in North Hollywood. Uh, my family's actually not not in the food business at all. Um, wow. My dad was in uh, was and is in, in marketing and advertising. And uh, when I was a kid, he had his own his own advertising firm, and then eventually. He, uh, he got kind of bored of that and moved into the nonprofit side of the business and started working with all nonprofits. And, you know, he's always been a guy that really needed to fulfill his soul. And my parents always instilled in me, a, a, you know, very strong value of just, you know, find, find what it is you're passionate about and go after it, you know, harder than anything else in your life and just do your best at it. 
Uh, and so that's that's always been a mantra that I was brought up with. And, you know, wh- whether or not it's always it's always smart to be going after that passion or not is a whole other story we could talk about. But yep. that's um, that's the direction I went from from when I was a young kid. You know, I, I was always I was always into food um, and always had a real a real passion for it. And. I mean, I, I started I started cooking um, and, and saying, oh, I want to be a chef one day when I, you know, when I was probably like 10 years old. And I got my first job in a restaurant. We had a, a, like a, a distant cousin who owns a restaurant. The place been around for a long time in L.A., Michelli's. And, um, oh, wow. and my dad was like, you know what? I have your, your, your cousin Joe Michelli. Let's go see him. Maybe he'll give you a job and you can hang out at the restaurant and, and cook a little bit. And that was the first restaurant that I ever worked at. And I just... I fell in love with it on on day one, and and from there just you know went on to work at a lot of great restaurants in Los Angeles, from Spago, Malise, or you know worked for Gino Angelini, um, and then uh, I met my business partner Mike when we were at college at Cornell on the East Coast at the hotel school, and we just had this shared passion. You know, he had grown up in New York, and we would always talk about let's open a restaurant together and let's do things and. That's that's sort of how it all started. Unbelievable. You know, only on this show will I somehow connect you with Tim Salmon, the angel uh, player, and uh, Len Burke from Zabar's. But uh, it's it all makes sense to me. First of all, I was I was loving that Len Berg story, by the way. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, it's it's forget about the fish. It's the passion. This is what you want to do. You want a career in life. You don't want just a job. And whatever it is that you do, you just want to bring that passion to it. Oh, you know, I agree. The guy go. The guy retires from probably a successful career when he's sixty-five. He doesn't yeah. want to move to Florida like most New York Jews do. Right. So I'm going to slice locks and day bars. You know, as a surfer, Bruce Brown, who was a good friend of mine, a patient of mine, who made a movie called The Endless Summer. And on sure. the movie, just says it right there, we're searching for the perfect wave. Tim Salmon, a baseball player, he's searching for the perfect swing of the bat. I guess you also, you're searching, just like Len Burke says, I'm searching for the perfect slice of the locks to make it Yeah, you know, it's, it's really interesting. It, it really spoke to me when he said that because – you know, so I, I come from an all fine dining background. I worked in, you know, Michelin star restaurants all over the world before I decided to be crazy and get into the deli business. And it was, you know, sort of uh, not exactly a, a direct path into it. And when I first started, it was actually very difficult for me because as a, as a chef, you know, especially in the fine dining world, we're trained that everything is about the, the creativity and trying to prove why you've got more, better, interesting ideas in your head than the next guy has. And when I started doing uh, Wexler's Deli, when we had our first one that opened at Grand Central Market, Mike and I talked. And one of the things that we said was, you know, we don't want this to be a chefy take on a deli. We want this to be a real deli. You should eat the pastrami sandwich. You should eat the, the bagel and lox and say, man, this is the best bagel and lox I ever had, or I haven't had it mm-hmm. like this since I was a kid. And what that does is really removes that chef ego from the whole the whole picture. And that mm-hmm. was really, really hard for me at the beginning. What I soon got into was this idea of craftsmanship. And I realized, and I, I would often liken myself to, 
a, like a, a blacksmith, you know, that you would see in, mm-hmm. the, in, in the old times that comes in and he hits the iron every single day, but he's trying to make the more perfect sword or the better sword than he made the day before. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not a different approach that he's taking to it. He's just trying to hone his craft every single day. And once I started to get into that mentality is when things really changed for me. And I really embraced it and really, really ran with it. And then, you know, that's that's a mentality that we've bred throughout our company now, this idea that we're more craftsmen than we are cooks. You know, what, what Len Berger was saying of that, you know, hey, I'm slicing the locks every day and I'm, I, I haven't gotten the perfect slice yet, but I know I'm going to get there. I, I'll know it when I see it. That is, in a nutshell, the craftsman mentality. I remember Carlos Santana, Eric Clapton, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Jimi Hendrix, Carlos Santana is up there in the Mount Rushmore of guitar players, and he's being interviewed, and they said to him, you're still playing, Carlos. Yeah, I love it. He goes, why? And Carlos Santana said, because I'm searching for the perfect note on the guitar. Carlos Santana, he's in Woodstock. He's still playing. He's still searching for the damn perfect note, and it's just like Bruce Brown for the perfect wave. You're looking for that perfect slice. I want to ask you specifically about the food business, though, which fascinates me. Yes, you can work in the kitchen your whole life. What does one learn when they go to Cornell for school? Like, what could you possibly learn in the classroom? Can't you just say, I've always felt being a surgeon, I should just be an apprentice for 15 years, and then I'll be a surgeon. But actually, you need the books. You need you need the principles. What do you learn at Cornell? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. I mean, it, you know, it's funny. There's definitely there are there are a lot of books and principles and all that. Um, you know, I think like a lot of a lot of education versus the real world. Most of that stuff goes out the window on mm-hmm. on day one. Not not necessarily in the medical profession like you, but a lot of other ones. Um, but you know, I, I always kind of describe it as like a an undergrad business school specified for the hospitality industry. And the funny thing is, is looking back on it, when I think about what did I really learn there, it wasn't, you know, uh, this paradigm or that paradigm or how to do this or how to do that. It was really a mentality for how to be able to work with people, structure teams, and mm. work towards a common goal and success. Everything they did was geared towards that mentality. And it wasn't until years later when I was doing that all the time and I realized where I picked so much of that up. That's at the heart of the hospitality business, right? If you think about any any restaurant, hotel, club, airline you've ever been to, there's never one person that makes it happen. It's always a team of people that make a great hospitality experience. So that, that that's something that's so important in our business. You know, for 31 years... I do about five over 500 surgeries a year for 31 years, so over 15,000. Lots of them are knee replacements and whatnot. The man who invented... I'm, I'm hoping I never have an appointment with you. Yeah, don't worry. We'll, we'll do the barter system. I'll trade you a knee replacement for some locks. Don't worry. All right, but All right. that's a deal. The, <laughs> the man who invented the knee replacement, his name was Ranawat. He's still alive. He's in his mid-80s. He's the designer, and I was lucky enough in New York to train with him, 84 to 88, with the man who actually wow. invented the operation. It was awesome. One day I'm in my office. It's got to be like, I don't know, 15 years ago. My office manager says to me, his name's Ranawat, says to me, and I'm in the middle of seeing patient. Hey, Dr. Clapper, Dr. Ranawat's on the phone. He needs to ask you a question. And I won't even get into what the question was, but I'm. it was like at that moment I said, okay, I must be doing something right that my – 
idol, my mentor, my teacher, is calling to ask me, what could I possibly know that he doesn't know? What was it like when Wolfgang Puck comes to Wexler's Deli for the first time and Michael Wexler slaves at making this concoction of smoking the fish that Wolfgang Puck says, this is the best I've ever had. What was that like? I mean, it was, it was incredible. It was, a, it was an amazing experience for us. You know, I, uh, I worked for, for Wolfgang Esfago for a short time. Um, but Mike worked there, uh, for about five years and, you know, started as sort of, you know, junior manager intern status and, and, and became the general manager of the whole restaurant and was, and was running the ship. Um, and, you know, it's funny because Wolfgang is one of those people. There's, you know, certain chefs and certain people in every industry that whether or not you actually met them or got a chance to know them in any sort of way, they're, they're a mentor, right? I, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I remember, I remember when, uh, when Charlie Trotter died for example you know i never met the man in my life but he was so influential on my career because his cookbook was given to me one of his cookbooks was given to me at a very young age i couldn't understand it at all and i would Mm. go back to that cookbook all the time trying to figure out how to do these things that he was talking about Mm. and i remember the day when i was reading through and said oh yeah i know what that is i know how to make that i can do that and it it was it was such um i really considered the man a mentor because of that but i never met him so in, in Wolfgang, which is somebody that I did get the opportunity to meet and to work for, such an incredible experience to have him say, "This is, uh, you know, this is the best salmon right here. I've never tasted anything like it. It's, it's unreal." Wow. Um, and you know, Wolfgang's a big jokester too, so you know, being able to have uh, have that and, and and his attitude around it and everything. I mean, it, it was it was just great, and I've you know I've had the opportunity to have. Other experiences like that in this business too. I mean, I'll tell you one of the one of the great ones is in Wexler's Deli. We were open downtown for probably about three or four months, and you know, every every day there was a line that was snaking through Grand Central Market around the corner. And I would, you know, I was back there on the line every day, you know, making sandwiches. And I would look up from time to time just to see who's in the line and what's going on. And I look up at one point. And I catch Norm Langer standing in the line. And, oh. you know, Norm Langer, like, you know, this is when, when I think when we started Wexler's Deli, Langer's was the benchmark for pastrami and rye bread in my head. I was, I was always thinking if I could get to that level, if I could attain close to that level, I would be successful. I would be happy. And that, that was the deli that I grew up with, going with my grandparents and my sisters and my cousins. Wow. And so I see Norm in the line, and I just, like, stop for a second. I'm like, oh, man, Norm Langer's here. Uh, and he was here with he was there with his daughter Trish, and you know we catch eyes for a second, and he and he and he gives me a big smile, and I say to the to the guy next to me, I said, you know, hold on, I got to step off for a second, and I go out around the counter, and I was just like, I'm so happy you're here, um, and we had the nicest conversation. It was funny because in, in those times also there was so much being written about Wexlers versus Langers, the new kid on the block is trying to take him down, and I never felt that way. It was always always right. an homage, always like this is such a, a special place in my mind um and he was so he's like i'm i'm so happy about what you're doing and and the way you're doing it it's so special and you know he's just he's always been on my side and on my team and it just it was, it was such a great experience micah i love you already can you stay on the line because i want to do another segment with you would that be okay yeah of course let's do it okay all right we'll pay some bills and we're coming back with the great micah wexler from wexler's deli what a treat it's more than the, the salmon. It's more than the lox. It's passion 
for your for your life, for your world, for your work. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Didn't you get the memo? Quickly hear Clapper's crazy kitchen stories. Easily find different callers' aches and pain issues. Right, I get it. Search Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Who are you again? Voila! Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. You know who that is. That's Carlos Santana, Michelle Branch, Game of Love. This is a guy who's still searching for that perfect note. I'm searching for that perfect use of the scalpel as a surgeon. That perfect slice of salmon, of lox. And nobody appreciates it better than my guest, the great Micah Wexler. Mike, I want to ask you a question. The whole concept that food can be paired. You know, we learn all about, oh, you have to have red wine with meat and white wine with fish, and then you can have sugar and cinnamon, and you can have peanut butter and jelly, and they bring out. I was, I remember in Paris, I went to this amazing restaurant where the dessert was creme brulee that was pistachio-flavored with a layer of Valrhona chocolate on top of this pistachio creme brulee and i remember saying you're killing wow me. that was great chocolate and pistachio <laughs> and then in italy i sculpt and i'm in the mountains of italy and i get a home-cooked meal by the man who owns the studio's wife and for the first time i have pesto on pizza not tomato sauce but pesto is the sauce I'm, the whole idea of matching things up what, what how do you feel about that in terms of the ingredient is key, making the perfect ingredient, the perfect salmon. But talk to me about, teach me a little bit about pairing food in a meal. Well, look, I mean, I think, first of all, like you said, there, there's no question, <clears throat> everything starts with ingredients, right? I mean, the, the search that we go on as a, as a restaurant, <clears throat> and also myself as, as just an individual, for sourcing the best ingredients, knowing where they're from, how they're raised, how they're grown, everything that goes into it, is is not just a passion and a joy, but it's it's sort of the foundation of everything. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I always think about ingredient pairing, whether it's you know food and beverage, like you said, or just food items. There's sort of two categories, okay? There's category number one, which is a lot of fluff, okay? The the <laughs> and a lot of rules that people have made up over the year. The idea that oh, you can only drink this wine with this fish or with this meat or whatever it is. I, I think that a lot of that should be should be thrown out of the window. I break those kind of rules all the time, and I'm Good. always fascinated by wow, this this actually these two things that the rule says aren't supposed to go together are actually really beautiful, and I, and I really enjoy them. Hmm. But that being said, I think in the second category there are the true pairings that when you taste these things and you have these two things together or these three things together. They sing in such a way and have such a harmony to them that it just it takes you to the next level. And you're like, wow, this is this is an unbelievable taste experience that I'm having right now. And those hmm. when when those things come together, they're they're really incredible. And there are some classics that are there, and then there's some you know I I love sometimes wh- whether it's my cooking or I'm at a at a restaurant or a friend or whatever it is. 
and I have something and I think to myself, I, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever had those two things together like that. And it can often go the wrong direction, but when it goes the right direction, you're like, wow, I never would have thought to put that together, but mm. that's just next level delicious. That's really special. Wow. It's just inspiring to, to listen to you talk, forget that you're in the food business, but you could be in any business, the confidence, but to some extent, the fact that probably people along the way told you, you can't do this, just like Tim Salmon not getting drafted, just like Michael Jordan not making his high school basketball team. You know, you go on and on. You almost need a chip on your shoulder to push you forward. Do you feel that you got that chip on your shoulder in the beginning to, that kind of launched you? Yeah, there's, there's, there's no question. I mean, I'm, I'm a big, big believer in the chip on your shoulder, really, you know, being your gas. Um, and... Look, when when I started in this business, you know, kitchens were were a very different place. I, I always describe them as sort of the last one of the last places to be modernized into today's world of you know more uh, some some more rules and more more HR and being more conscious and everything. But when I started in kitchens, they were they were still the wild west and and anything went and they were tough places. So you come in there. Mm-hmm as, you know, a 15-year-old kid, and no, nobody's being nice to you on day one. Nobody's welcoming <laughs> you and being like, oh, this is great, right? Everybody's just looking at you as, oh, this is, this is, this is a pain. I, why, why do I have to show this kid he's slow, he doesn't know anything, he doesn't know what I'm talking about, doesn't know how to handle a knife, let alone a vegetable peeler. Like, this is, this is a waste of my time, right? So it's a, it's a brutal place. Um, and I, I remember even, you know, being, I was probably 16 or so, working for Gino Angelini, and, and who is one of my very close mentors and friends now. But, man, if the guy didn't push on me, I mean, he was he, <laughs> he was just after me every day, made it, made it miserable sometimes. You know, he'd scream and yell at me and everything. But, and that is from a very early stage. I remember, um, I remember actually when I was working at Spago, it was, it was soon after college, and it was the hardest restaurant that I had ever worked in because they were – you know, expecting this high, high level of execution wow. and a number of covers that I had never experienced before, right? It's one wow. thing to do, you know, high-level tasting menu food when you're serving 80 people. It's another thing when you're serving 500. Wow. Um, and it was wow. such a tough environment to work on. And I remember all the time in my head I would be telling myself, this isn't going to be the restaurant that beats me. I got I to gotta, I gotta mm. be able to do this. I got to be able to make this happen. Um, and it was... Definitely, it was that it was that chip on my shoulder that had to use it to to try and push all the time. You know, Micah, it is such a pleasure to talk to you because the true path of life starts with passion, and the trip of a thousand miles begins with the first step. You are far along the path right now, and I got to tell you, it's the passion in your voice that we can taste in the food that you create. I want to thank you so much for joining us. It's such a pleasure to meet you on the radio. Uh, it was it was my pleasure too, man. I had a great time, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll talk to you anytime. It was really a lot of fun. <laughs> okay, young man, have a good day today. Thanks so much. That's the great Michael Wexler from Wexler's Deli. Check it out. You can pick up stuff. I got the stuff sent to me. Those bagels, the cream cheese that they make. I didn't even ask him about the cream cheese. The locks. Oh my God, it's a it's a, a pleasure to have it in Los Angeles. Holy emoji, clap man. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Holy slip disc. That's right, Robin. Hear listeners talk about their aches and pains. Holy hamstrings. 
along with Doc's Clapper vision. Breathe deeply. And advice to callers. On your toes, Robin. So like, follow, and enjoy. A wise decision. The Weekend Wear Facebook page. Frankly, I can think of nothing more stimulating. Uh, welcome back, Weekend Warriors. That's my music right here. Chic. Good times. Good time. Exactly right. Each and every Saturday morning. I want to thank you all for being here with me every Saturday morning for nine plus years now. And for telling all your friends. It really means a lot to me. And it's crazy to do this for my living room at home. But you know what? We're still doing it. And it's great. Next week, my guest, oh, my God, I cannot wait. I cannot believe I got him as a guest. He's my favorite football announcer. He lives in Atlanta, Georgia, so he'll be calling in. But we're going to talk to him a lot about his career. I'm actually not going to even tell you his name yet. Um, but get ready for next Saturday. It's going to be great. And I want to give a shout-out to my favorite donut place in Ventura called Good Time Donuts. Her name is Sue. When you go in there, tell them you're a weekend warrior, Dr. Clapper sent you, and I want the donut that Dr. Clapper eats. She makes it special for me. God, is it good. Sweetest lady. Good time donuts in Ventura. All right, let's go to Aaron. He's hanging on the line. Aaron, welcome back to the Weekend Warrior Show. So nice to have you. How are you, sir? I'm good, Aaron. Thanks for hanging in there with me. You'll be my one and only caller. We'll end out the show together. Bring me up to date. You're welcome. So I I have... uh lower back disc degeneration i i abused my back in my youth i'm 52 now but back in my 20s i was a rower and i just uh i put a lot of miles on my back and i'm getting to the point where it's now grinding back there i keep kind of tickled i can feel it and every so often i get a lot of pain and then it goes away and i just know that one of these years you know something's going to have to happen down there and uh, i'm wondering what your take on the uh you know, disc technology, is is, is it good to get it removed or fused or replaced or what? So what do you do for a living? I have a roofing company. So you're supervising. You're not swinging a hammer anymore. Correct. And how tall are you and how much do you weigh? I'm 6'8", and I weigh 307 pounds. Wow. You're 6'8". So for you, 307 pounds is you're a big guy. You're a really big guy but you're also carrying more weight than you should. And let me give you, you listen to the show, you know what Clapper Vision is? Yes. Okay. What if you were now asked to come to someone's house and the complaint was that the doors, the back door, the front door, the side door, seem to be warping more than they should. They're squeaking. they got to constantly plane down the doors because you can't fully close the door, and it's a security problem. You want to go to sleep at night. You want to be able to lock the front door, the side door, and they don't close all the way because literally the door jams themselves are slightly off. They don't fit the male-female of the door anymore. And you say to yourself, why would all three of these doors be so warped and so out of shape? And then the reason you're at this house is you've been called because they need a new roof. And what you've now determined is that the roof that they have on this poorly framed house to support the beams is supporting a Mexican tile roof. And they want you to put another Mexican tile roof on there. 
you as a roofer would say to this homeowner, you know what would help you a lot is if you had less weight on top of the roof. Maybe I should put just some shingles instead of the Mexican tile, which won't weigh as much. You, that way you can fix these door jams and not have a problem of like this again in the future. How's that for a clapper vision? That's an excellent clapper vision. Because this is probably an issue you as a roofer have dealt with, where you have a, a homeowner who's not sophisticated enough to really understand that actually what's on the roof of the house impacts what happens to the walls and the door jams and all. It's all related, and you really can't do one without the other. So before I let someone with a knife or a cortisone epidural shot or anybody come at you with stem cells or other cockamamie ingredients for you, I got to go to the beginning, which is it's hard. My wife's a great cook. I love to eat. I already had a Wexler's bagel this morning. Believe me, this is not a good diet when I should be on a wheat belly diet. But the reality is, is what is living in round your belly button, the front of our body that, that we get older and you're in your fifties. I'm in my sixties. It's probably related to hormones. We get a pot belly and I don't care who you are. You're going to get one. Well, that 24 seven strain on the front of your spine is torturing the discs, the shingling of the spinous processes in the back of your spine. So yeah, you'll let some guy do a disc replacement. You'll let some guy do a fusion of your spine or under the microscope take the disc out. Here's the problem. There are five discs between your rib cage and your pelvis. That's the lumbar spine. You start messing with one, two years after your surgery, you're going to now be overloading the next guy. Do some people need spine surgery? Yes, of course. You can't pee. You got a foot drop. I get it. But before you and I get further along about what kind of surgery to have or what kind of epidural to have, how about my opinion? I prefer to have none of them. So let this conversation today be the beginning of the rest of your life where you get a book called Wheat Belly, W-H-E-A-T Belly. I need you to read that book and you'll appreciate how changing your diet simply Lose five pounds, seven pounds, 12 pounds. I don't need you to lose 50 pounds in two weeks. You need to do that, Aaron, before we have a conversation. I will give you plenty of advice on your MRI, whatever you need. But right now, if you are my younger brother, this is the advice I'd be giving you. Okay? All right, sir. Thank you. Wheat belly. And I want you to do me a favor. Today, I want you to find a total stranger. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. I really appreciate the phone call. And to all of you weekend warriors, be safe. Wash your hands, social distancing, this too shall pass. Until next week, I'll see you on the radio. Weekend Warrior is brought to you by Cedar sinai with multiple primary care locations in Beverly Hills, the San Fernando Valley, and across the west side, Cedar sinai is bringing expert care closer to you and your family. From checkups to consultations that guide you to specialized care, trust the experts at Cedar sinai to help manage your health right in your neighborhood. To learn more, call 1-800-CEDARS-1. That's 1-800-CEDARS-1. Or visit us online at cedarsinai.org slash primary care.